Hello everyone and welcome back again to the Boosting Gains Podcast. I'm your host Cedric and in this episode I get the opportunity to have a conversation with a good friend of mine George aka Mr. Cartersville Trucks. I've known George roughly for about six years now and I've always truly admired his work ethic and his drive for success. In this episode we get to hear about his background through the founding of his company Cartersville Trucks what motivates him and so much more. George is truly passionate about sharing his experience and knowledge with people and you can really tell from his excitement as we have this conversation. Uh, Stay tuned and enjoy the show. George, it's an absolute honor to have you on this podcast. Uh, First of all, I'd just like to say a big thank you for, for, you know, allowing me into your home and us sitting down and having this chat. I'm just trying to enjoy these potato chips, man. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be on this show ever since you told me to, you know, that you wanted me on it. Uh, it's an honor, honestly, and uh, I really do appreciate just being here. All right, sounds good, man. And without further ado, we're going to dive right, in, right into this episode. Uh, I know there's so much, so much that I want to talk to you about, so much I want to learn from you. And, you know, like you said, you know, ever since I started this new project, you know, we've been in talks because there's so much that you also want to share with me and of course to the listeners so without further ado we're just going to get into it um and of course my first question for you as i do with any of my guests who is george man that's a great question um because it it kind of depends on where i'm at um if i'm a business i have to be my my business self if i'm home um with my family it depends on what time of the day you're catching me at because i have to switch my energy i have to switch how i talk to people i have to switch so many things throughout the day depending on who i'm with what i'm doing and uh what i'm talking about you know the whole nine yards so um i i'm a businessman i am i wouldn't even call myself an entrepreneur i would call myself a business owner because it's not like i have all these different businesses i have one baby and then i do little things on the side that are just like whatever and then um Man, I love my family. I love my family time. So I would say I'm a family man, uh, 100%. And that's that's kind of a big rundown right there, honestly. That's what I do good. it for. That sounds good. Now, before we dive into your business and family and everything, let's go into your background, right? Um, one of the things that intrigues me about you is the fact that you're so young when it comes to age, right? But in terms of like your maturity, the way you carry yourself, the way you do business, the way you relate to people, it's not the you know, it's not that age. And if you don't mind, I want to throw that number out there, right? You being twenty six and with everything that you've achieved and you know how you move and everything, it's so inspirational for me. So please tell us a little bit about your background growing up and how you got to the state of mind that you're in now. I, I appreciate those words, man. But when you say things like that to me in my head, I'm going I'm still just scratching the surface. I'm still not even close to where I want to get to. Um, But yeah, I'm 26 years old and um, basically a little bit of background, man. My family and I moved here when I was seven years old from Venezuela. We uh, ran away from communism and um, the whole Chavez, Maduro, all that stuff going on. And we came to the United States with basically a fresh start. Mm -hmm. We uh, started, came here, uh, my family and I moved here. And we moved into a, we went from living in a beach house and we had a condo, you know, having nice, luxurious things to basically living in a two bedroom apartment, my parents sleeping on the floor so my brother and I could have beds. Mm. Um, So that's basically a little rundown. And then uh, my parents just worked their way with doing whatever we could to just survive. It was survival mode for a couple, for a lot of years, honestly, for about the first uh, 11, 12, 13 years. It was a lot of survival mode. Um just going out and doing whatever the fuck you have to do to basically put food on the table, Mm. going out and doing the things you don't want to fucking do, going out, waking up at four o'clock in the morning to do a job that nobody else wants to do. Okay. Now, before we even go further in with that, do you remember the time like you growing up in Venezuela? Like you said, you came here when you were seven, right? Do you remember the time? Like what did your parents do back home? Um, before you know coming to america gotcha so my mom um my mom did a lot of good stuff over there she um worked for a uh company called pdvsa which is one of the largest petroleum companies in venezuela and uh 
And uh, basically, she also did real estate on the side. That woman was basically working two, three, four jobs, five, whatever the hell she could handle. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad was also doing, I believe he did pharmaceutical sales and um, he did a few other things as well. And um, but yeah, that's basically the background of my parents. I don't really never really asked them too much of what they did. They Mm. gave me a quick rundown, but it wasn't ever um, nothing too crazy, too detailed. Um, Mm. I just know my mom was always working. I know she told me she sold like 500 apartment homes in like six months, some crazy shit like that. Mm. So your mom has always been a salesperson. My mom has always been uh, a business person. She um, sales, she's very, her and I are very direct. Um, I don't like to sugarcoat anything, so I apologize if my language is somewhat strong because it, I I just I can't help it, man. I grew up with it. I played football for eleven years, so it's it kind of stuck to me. And yeah, um, okay. yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's talk about your um, you know, we've talked a little bit about your upbringing. What about your um, education, right? Uh, where'd you go to school? Um, did you even go to like college, or are you still in school? How 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 is that? So uh, we moved here. I didn't know a lick of English when I was seven years old. So we moved here, and um, it was a complete restructure of my life. I didn't know my freaking ABCs from in English. I didn't know how to say anything in English. So I had to basically learn very quickly because let me tell you, kids are very freaking mean Mm. and i got made fun of uh i was overweight at the time you know i was a fat beaner uh illegal mexican yada yada because you know nobody's from venezuela when you move here everybody's from mexico and you know so i had to deal with that growing up um and uh yeah so dealing with that growing up i went to school in third grade here and then i went to three different elementary schools because that's when we were moving around so much Mm. so it was hard to get used to but always in georgia yeah we were always in georgia we moved here actually to ackworth Mm. so that was our very first place where we moved to uh we went from living at my uncle's house for two months i believe to then that apartment and then we got a rental house but it was always in that close area um we try to stay around close to family wherever there is family and then we're of course jobs at the time we didn't have very many options mm. um you had a job and yo that's what we had to do mm. um and then after that i went to two different middle schools but that was because they built another middle school that was closer to me uh, i went to durham middle school for sixth grade then mcclure and then i was lucky enough to go to alatoona high school for all four years mm. uh played football there for four years um made a had some good fun with it and then ended up getting a football scholarship uh, to go to Reinhardt University where I was there for three years playing football. Mm. Um, after that, <laughs> ended up going to uh, Kennesaw State mm. to, for three and a half years mm. uh, to finish my education and get my degree in uh, business and entrepreneurship. Gotcha. So the reason it took me so long to graduate Kennesaw State also was because I lost 33 hours. When I transferred from Reinhardt to KSU. It's Reinhardt here in Georgia as well? Reinhardt's in Waleska, middle of nowhere, uh, Georgia. Uh, It's in Canton. Sorry, anybody that lives around there. It's in North Canton. Um, And it's just, it's a dry county. It was a dry county at the time. Like, if you didn't know the right people, man, with football, like, I'm glad I was a part of that community because we had a blast. Mm. And anybody listening, if you were there, like... We had a blast every Thirsty Thursday, Messed Up Friday, Happy Saturday. You know, like we had a good time in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, whenever I quit playing football, I ended up losing 33 hours uh, whenever I transferred to Kennesaw State University. So mm-hmm. it was a major setback. Mm-hmm. Um, I only had a real college experience without sports and business for six months. Because after I got done with Reinhardt, uh, six months later, my uh, my partner now, which is my mother, her and I decided to open up a dealership. Mm. And ever since then, it's been dealership full time and in school. And then we also dove into some bodybuilding mm. for about four years, too. Mm-hmm. So, OK, so let's let's talk about let's go into let's go right into your your um, your career, the dealership. Right. OK. So prior to you starting this business, did you work for any other company? Did you work while you were in college? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, my best friend at the time and I, we actually uh, were dishwashers at mm. a restaurant called uh, Paisanos, which then that closed down and they rebranded and they called it Crossroads. So him and I worked dishwashing seven fifty an hour, uh, 80 hours, working literally from, we would work out in the mornings for football. This was just a summer job too. So we would work out in the morning for football uh, from seven o'clock until one o'clock, take a break, go eat do whatever or sometimes i would stay after and help coach the kids Mm -hmm. because um man 
all my, my high school coaches, I got a lot of respect for them because mm-hmm. those guys stepped up and helped us out when we had nobody else, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, we were with our coaches more than with anybody else. So they helped me get recruited. So a lot of respect, and I always wanted to get back. Mm-hmm. So we would do that and then uh, take a small break, and then we would go work at uh, dishwashing, uh, making seven fifty an hour um from about three o'clock until about three o'clock at night sometimes Mm -hmm. so with this you know and um i i know that like here in america right there's a lot of people that they do these jobs because of course they need to pay the bills and whatnot right with you being a college kid right of course maybe at the time your mom is working or your dad is working what was the drive because and, and the reason why i'm asking you this question is when i was in college i never really worked until probably my junior year right why because my parents were giving me money every month right or you have student loans so you have a little bit of pocket money to buy whatever it is that you need right so there wasn't really a drive or a push for me to like oh go find a job okay. so for you what was that like man, especially working that job man let me tell you from the time i was like five years old four years old mm-hmm. uh, i remember riding my bicycle in venezuela grabbing coconuts off the freaking palm trees and going around house to house selling them mm. Getting on my bicycle, yelling coconut, coconut, coconuts, you mm-hmm. know, just trying to make anything because I thought the whole business aspect was always fun to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, selling people things, you know, selling something that they want and mm-hmm. then getting currency in uh, in response, you know, mm-hmm. like, hey, you're doing something for me and I'm doing something for you. Mm-hmm. And I still take that to this day into my everyday business. Uh, it's providing a product that is better than somebody else's product mm-hmm. or providing a product at, um, a better experience than somebody else would and the customer being happy in exchange of currency. That's right. So um, I did that when I was little just as a joke and I actually made about, I'd say in two in two weekends, I made about 200 bucks mm. uh, as a five-year-old gotcha. selling coconuts in today's currency. That's quite interesting you bring that up and I think that's also a driving force for me why I'm, I started this podcast because when I look back at the time that I lived in Ghana, right? Yes, my my mom was overseas, my dad was overseas, and you know, if you know, uh, for for my Ghanaian uh, listeners, they know what I mean by this. Like when your parents are overseas, let's say in the UK or in America, automatically people think you guys got money. Yeah, but it absolutely. wasn't like that, right? Because my dad is away, my mom is away, and they're probably hustling, probably mm-hmm. washing dishes, yep, trying to pay your school fees or put some clothes or, or, or food on the table for you guys, right. right? But for me, while I was in elementary school, I was also hustling, you know, like... You have to. M- making comic books, uh, drawing comic books. You have to. Um, burning CDs. Yep. Uh, burning uh, uh, music and videos and whatever it is that I could do to to make some extra money, right? You, you absolutely have to because... You, you also never know. Like, when you're that young, you don't know when there's an end to it either. Like, you, you never know about things like that. But nowadays, you're looking at it and you're like, damn, you know, I should have taken more advantage of that. Mm. So ever since I was young, I was, I was always a saver, man. Mm. So um, I was always a saver out of the family. Like, if my mom gave my brother Raul, who was on the uh, first podcast, uh, and I a chocolate bar, everything was always equal. So if she gave me a chocolate bar, she gave him a chocolate bar, his ass would always eat it, mm. like, right off the bat. Mm. And I would eat, like, a bite and then save the rest save for the later. Rest, yeah. Next thing I know, I put my chocolate bar like three hours later or, you know, the next day or whatever mm-hmm. the case might be. Mm-hmm. And my brother's like, "Why? where'd you get that? Yeah. And I'm like, I saved, saved it. Saved I always yeah. save for later. Yeah. And believe it or not, I still bring that same mentality into it to this day mm-hmm. of you never know. So you always save. And growing up in Venezuela, man, I still remember going to the grocery store one time a month because thanks to communism, um, we didn't have food on the stores, you know. Um, you only got food delivered at one point of the month, mm. and if you didn't shop at that one point of the month, then you have to wait. You are gonna yep. eat basically moldy bread, rotten milk. Mm. Um, just dude, it got to a point where there was no beer, no coffee in grocery stores, mm. and you know, being here, it's like people don't not understand like how how good it is here, man. Mm. Like for real, compared to a lot of other places in the mm. country, you know that being from Ghana, mm. uh, me being from Venezuela, and like a lot of immigrant people come here and they're like, "Yo, man, why are people bitching? Like mm. this is so nice here." Okay, so let's before we we go super off topic, right? Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I yeah. want us to talk about because I think we left off with the point uh, the point where you started a business with your mom, right? right? Uh, let's talk about that a bit because right now and uh, you know some of you might be wondering who's George or like um, what what does he have to quote unquote offer right 
George has a business called Cartersville Trucks. And can you please talk more about that business? Gotcha. So uh, her and I started this business up back at the end of 2015, December 21st to be exact. Um, and we 2015. are 2015. Wow. So I was twenty. I had just turned 21 years old. I was still in school full time. Uh, I was freaking body. I know. Actually, I wasn't even bodybuilding yet. But so her and I started this company up. And um, I'll tell you right now, man, we never expected this to be the way it is. Like right now, everything. It's, we're, it's quite surprising you say 2015 because that's pretty much the time I met Raul. That's. 2015 was the time I met Raul and said, hey, I'll give this competition thing a try. And looking back, it just looks like yesterday. And I mean, I have seen Cartersville Trucks what it is today. It's only five years ago. Yeah. But sorry, I, I, cut, I cut you. No, there, you're fine, man. Ahead. You're fine. You're fine. Because I like to cut people off, too, anyways. <laughs> um, so we started with the company up with, well, let me let me backtrack a little bit. So I got really lucky in a way because uh, when I was playing football, my sophomore year, I got in a really bad car wreck and it wasn't my fault. So out of that car wreck, I ended up as an 18 year old, I got a $30,000 check, which with that money, I didn't go out and stupid 18 year old. I didn't use it for anything else. I imagined it wasn't even there. I kept busting my ass, working, mowing lawns, uh, doing construction, which is another job I did. I did construction for about two months. And uh, going back to the two jobs before I get off topic, I'm just gonna say this thing. So working construction, Carrying heavy buckets of concrete, digging with shovels, under cross bases, jackhammering, doing all those things that, you know, hard labor and dishwashing, grabbing nasty crap with your hands, you know, throwing away pieces of bubble gum under plates. Like those jobs taught me what I didn't want to ever freaking do for the rest of my life. Mm. That's why I appreciate those jobs. That's why I appreciate, you know, waking up at 430 in the morning and going out and looking at vehicles before football practice. In college, you know, I would wake up with my mom and we would drive down to Atlanta to the auction with maybe four or five thousand dollars that we had to play with to see what little cars we could buy. And then uh, I would go to the university. Either she or my brother would drop me off because we only had one car at the time, 45 minutes away from our house, which was an hour and a half from the auction. And then uh, they would either come pick me up or I would find somebody to stay with. Mm. So So let's talk about this because this is a very... This is quite a topic that I'm very interested in due to my passion for cars. And I'm thinking like in the future, I want to, you know, uh, dive into that that industry. So at the time you started, you guys were not buying trucks. It was not Cartersville trucks. No, no. no. When we started the dealership, it was Cartersville trucks. Before that, we were doing a little bit of trucks. We're doing a little bit of cars. We're doing a little bit of everything. We were trying to survive. What was it called? Was it Cartersville? Nothing. It was just that we were working under brokers and we would just work as independents. And, you know, we had two, three cars at a time. And then I got that $30,000 check and I went and said, hey, uh, I'm not going to be an idiot with it. Let me go buy two, three trucks. So we ended up buying two trucks with that money. Mm. Those two trucks, the thing about the way we made this business work, man, it's it makes no sense to a lot of people because a lot of people think I'm crazy for this, but we didn't pay ourselves for about five and a half years. Mm. I didn't start paying myself until about a year, less than a year ago, actually. Mm. My first paycheck. Okay, so imagine working six and a half, seven years of your life without ever seeing a paycheck. Mm. Simply growing the business, working your side hustles, doing everything else you can to survive because you're putting more money into the business to keep growing it, being able to buy things at a better price because you're buying more, growing your accounts, but it was always business, business, business. Mm. It was never personal. Mm. So let's talk about, you said you guys were working on their broker? Mm-hmm. We're working how under another that, dealership. How does that work? So basically, um, dealerships, uh, if you work under a broker or as a broker, you don't need all the fancy things that a dealership has. You mm. don't need, we worked under a broker, so kind of not supposed to be doing that but um we he basically gave us a dealer tag to drive the vehicles mm-hmm. and we paid him x amount for or we paid, basically we paid him 150 bucks for every car we bought under his name mm. um and then we had to pay for the tags and all these other things but at the time you know that's what we had to do mm. so so pretty much you find someone who already has that license correct to go to an auction correct and how do you get in because you're not him they add you under their name under their dealership so you become a representative under their dealership. This is really bad because it's good and bad. Because It's good if you trust the person and they're doing it with the right intention. They're not looking to screw you over. It's mm. bad whenever you bring somebody in and 
they're not paying their bills on time, they're not taking care of their titles on time, they're not taking care of their paperwork, and it makes it very sloppy for you. Mm. So that's one thing that I will never do for other people because I see how sloppy majority of other people are. Okay, so uh, you know, uh, going forward, you got that thirty thousand. You bought your two trucks, and then, and then we just kind of kept doing that. That happened for about for about a year because I was still in school, so I kept playing football um, for about another year until you know I had seven concussions. So after my last concussion, I kind of I had to hang up the cleats because mm-hmm. it was just my body was saying no more. Um, went through a really hard time. Um, mentally wise uh, a really depressed time because dude when you get hit in the head that many times especially like i had two back-to-back concussions in my or my last two two weeks apart and um it, it it put me in a really bad bind to the point where um i was so brain fogged i would struggle driving a vehicle and mm. having a conversation with somebody mm. i could not focus on both things yeah. because it literally it took so much effort at the time it felt like um I couldn't think clearly. It was literally brain fog five out of six days out of the week. Mm. And, um, and yeah, so, yeah. So, curr- currently, how is Cartersville Trucks doing? How many inventory, like, and, and even further, what's the next step? What's the next big chapter for the Man, business? I can't talk about the next one yet because <laughs> it, it's in the works, though. We are working on the next big step. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will be relocating, though. I'll mm. tell you that much. Um, so... Our first year in business, we started the dealership up with five trucks. We accumulated enough money by not spending it and reinvesting to where we had $80,000 to basically start the business. Mm. By saving up, it's not really there. Don't look at the money. It's not there. We reinvest as fast as possible and try to put the money to work. Where did that mentality come from? Was it you, your mom? How? how both. Was it? Mm. it was honestly both. I always have that saving mentality that I was talking about the freaking chocolate ball mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same mentality you carry it with items that are bigger and then bigger and then bigger and then soon i hope to get to real estate with it Mm. but that's another topic for another podcast Mm. um so we started the business up and we were broke as anything at that point and uh because all my money was in repairing the building we were in the building we're in we're still in was built in 1947 Mm. when we got into that building all the copper piping was stolen underneath the house. The AC units were stolen. Mm. The house was a mess. It vacant. I worked at that dealership. We worked. <laughs> and I kid you not, that winter, we didn't have heat. Mm. I would work at my desk with a heater underneath my desk for the first month and a half. It, it was 27, 42 degrees inside. Mm-hmm. So that goes, you know, like goes back to the same mentality from earlier. You do whatever you have to do to just keep pushing forward basically that mm. you don't have a choice you suck it up and you freaking get it done mm. so that's been a lot that's a lot of my mentality just get it done like so now do you guys own you own the lot right? so i bought the dealership i bought the lot back in 2018 may 2018 literally like two weeks before my last bodybuilding show actually was when we bought the dealership mm. um and since then so our first year in business I, I don't have my notes with me but the first year in business i think we only sold like Man, I want to say it was like $1.4, $1.2 million in inventory. Seriously. So we sold about, to me, that's not shit. Mm. So uh, the second year, we sold a good bit more, man. Our second year, we did pretty decent in business. I think we sold a total of like 2.1, 2.2. Third year, we sold a little bit more. Um, 2019 was a decent year. I think we sold like 3.4, 3.5 million. And then 2020 was when we really freaking took off. 2020, um, and I thought 2019 was the year we took off. Mm. You know, because I'm like, I've never seen these numbers before. Like, yo, this is awesome. And the entire time, it is me being the only salesman. Mm -hmm. um, My mother being my, basically, helper with all the paperwork. Not even helper. Like, her and I are literally 50-50 on this. Like, sometimes I'm going, I don't know how the hell she's doing as much as she's doing. Because she is taking on so many different roles. And I'm over here taking on so many different roles. So every each one of us is doing the job of five people, mm. just about, from what we've been told from other people also. I'm not just saying that to say, I'm saying that because I've had people tell me, dude, if you worked at another dealership, you could easily make 250K a year. Why don't you go do that? I don't uh, want to work yeah, for somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I've worked for other people. Mm. And 250 a year, is not that's, I, that doesn't put up with me. Mm. Like I'm not okay with that. That's mm. not an acceptable number for me to mm-hmm. begin with. So... Um, and I'm not saying that to brag or anything. Like that's just not in my head. Like that, I don't, I don't strive for that. Uh-huh. And um, so we kept that going. And then our our 2020, we actually sold a total of four point. 
uh, sorry, $5.469 million. Mm. So almost $5.5 million. You know how pissed I was that I didn't hit 5.5? Yep. I was pissed. Mm. Literally, dude. To this day, I'm still like, I wake up and I'm like, I didn't freaking hit 5.5. Damn it! Mm. You know when my uh, my accountant texts me, "Hey, you only you made you made double what you did last year, mm-hmm. and it's this much." Mm-hmm. And I'm going, "That's nowhere close why where I want to be." Why do you think you guys made that much in 2020? Do you think the pandemic has something to do with it? Do you think it's brand recognition? Do you think what well, well, what what do you think it is? I'm going to answer to the both things you said. I'm going to say both um, mm. because we. The way I construct the business, man, is how I'm talking to you right now is how I talk to my customers. Um, only I sometimes say more bad words. Mm. So um, as unprofessional as that may be, it's worked for me. So I'm going to keep going with whatever's working for me until I have a reason not to. So by taking care of your customers, not bullshitting them, not telling them lies, not basically just doing things with the right intentions mm. and truly doing it for the customer, not just for yourself. Mm. That's the mentality I have now. That's not the mentality I had my first three years in business. That mentality took a major shift when I had uh, some major health issues. My first three years in business, man, it was all money, 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 money. That's why we didn't get anywhere. That's truthfully why we were almost staying stable. And that's why 2020 took off so much. Because I was started your seeing, mom uh, in that mind state as well? Money, money, money? Um, I, I don't, she, no, she, she doesn't care about the money. I'm the only one that looks at any other bank accounts. So I'm the only one that cares about any about of that. About the customer service. I, yes, absolutely. She cares about the customer service, but uh, right now we actually switched the role. So basically before I used to deal with production and with sales, now I'm at the point where I, I'm so backed up with sales by itself and I have two salesmen now. Mm. Keep in mind, I did all my own sales for four and a half years. Mm-hmm. I sold over 800 trucks by myself. Because I remember, you know, the very last time I came to the shop, it was just you and your mom. And, you know, your dad was stopping from time to time, right. but it was just you two right. um, in there. So now you do have some sales guys. I have two sales guys. I have six mechanics and I have two detailers right now. Mm. So we've been able to grow slowly but surely. And um, like I said, 2020 was really that takeoff year to get the right staff. Let's start thinking big because we were selling ourselves short from the get go. Mm-hmm. We were going, oh, um, what if this happens? What if, you know what, man, I'm tired of living with what ifs. Mm. Um, going back to the health issue. So. Uh, this is kind of on, off topic, but uh, I, I actually do not mind talking about it because I think it's um, it, it's very it hits me and it reminds me a lot too of why I'm doing what I do. So in 2019, um, I actually had multiple blood clots in both my lungs. I had three blood clots in my left lung, two blood clots in my right lung, and I had a DVT in my right leg. I dealt with that for an entire month because doctors kept saying I had floating rib syndrome. And my rib punctured my lung, and that's why my I was coughing and sneezing blood for how, an entire how, month. And how did that happen? Was it from football years? Or? No, man. I think it was honestly from a lot of stress and uh, from doing business, bodybuilding. I would say possibly even from, um, I, I don't know if it was from taking gear. And I highly mm. doubt it because I didn't take anything for a whole year and a half. Mm. Um, and, mm. and then the blood clots happened. But... I do remember getting blood work done and my cortisol levels being at 24, 25, which is double the the high amount. Mm. So my body was under so much stress. My anxiety was through the roof. Um, my adrenals were shot. Man, I had a complete body meltdown. Mm. And I dealt with that to the point where I could barely move. I, I didn't miss a single day of work either because that's just the mentality we have. And I remember the last time I was at work, it was a Thursday, and I couldn't even get out of my chair. I literally could not get out of my desk chair. And I looked at my mom, and I was like, we need to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. At that, at this point in my life, like I could barely breathe. Like mm-hmm. My breathing was literally like, mm-hmm. like very shallow, minimal, dude. Yeah. Um, on my way to the hospital, I'm literally gripping the handle on the car so hard. My whole, all my veins are literally like about to rip out of my freaking skin. <laughs> Um, and I get to the hospital and sit in there for about two hours um, until they, they put me in and they're like, oh, so what's going on? I'm like, oh, I have pain. Like, all right, so we don't know what's going on. Everything looks good. Let's do a CT scan. So the doctor comes back in and he's like, uh, yeah, blood clots in both your lungs. And I was like, cool, put me on something. Uh, let me get the hell out of here. Let me go home. Mm. I didn't know what blood clots were. I'm like, all right, you guys found out what it is. Fix me. Let me get out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy was like, no, 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 you're not going anywhere. You need to get on. Um, he wanted to put me on morphine. And I'm like, nah, man, I don't, I don't want morphine. And then I kid you not, man. It was like a strike of pain just hits me. 
And to the point where I struggled breathing hands down. Mm. And I looked at him. Literally, this is all within five seconds. And I looked at him. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. G- give me the shit. He goes, you just denied it. Like, I can't do that now. You're mm. like, no, no, I'm giving you permission. Like, go, go, go. And uh, then I was in the hospital I, uh, from Thursday night on the way until Sunday afternoon. So, uh, and then Monday I was back at work. Mm. So what? Where, where do you think that drive comes from? I mean, Wait, like you oh. said, it's not it's not so much so, so like the money, right? Right. So when I was actually at the hospital, man, that was actually that was my rock bottom, mm. my absolute rock bottom, and a lot of things were going through my head besides just oh the pain, whatever. Like pain is temporary, you know that. I know that. Uh, hopefully, a lot of people understand that. So I looked at myself in the hospital, and I was literally in bed. I could barely walk. I could barely stand. I was struggling to breathe. Uh, and I was going in my head, if this is it, what am I going to be remembered for? Mm. What are people going to say about me with what I've done with my life? Mm. And everything that came to my head was not good. I was not happy with the person I was. I was not happy with the person that I was as a, I was not happy with as how I was as a family person, um, as a friend to other people. Um, relationships you name it why was, did you treat did you treat people a certain type of way i think i was just I, I don't know man i think i was just so stressed out in my own brain that i thought like um that i just i put extra urgency on things and i was just always so like go 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 like i don't even know how to explain it like i was just not in the right mental state mm. and i was so obsessed with certain things mm-hmm. like i got obsessed with bodybuilding mm-hmm. i got obsessed with um weightlifting mm-hmm. you know that's all i cared about mm-hmm. i would literally leave the dealership at six o'clock on the dot when we closed and i was flying to the gym mm-hmm. i need to eat at the exact time because my blood sugar is gonna drop and I, if i don't do this right like i was i cared more about me and i thought that was okay at the time instead of Hey, I have a partner. I have a job. I have people that depend on me. Yeah. I have a family. I have Friends. a dog that depends yeah. on me. Yeah. To this day, I still feel bad sometimes. Like I learned a valuable lesson. Um, my dog that passed away back in 2020. Like, I wish I would have spent more time with her. Mm. You know, that's one of the like I love that dog to this day. And then like I look back and I was like, I wish I would have spent more time with my grandma. Mm. Thankfully, my grandma's still here. She's right, 94, right, still right, kicking. Right. But. Um, I wish I would have put more time towards her and my family and my brother and Ashlyn and just the people that truly give a, a shit about me. Mm. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the things that we really take for granted. And of course, we don't, you don't want to wait to that time where you're in bed or no, you're, in a, you're in uh, a really bad spot to be asking yourself, oh man, well, I think we need to remind ourselves of that each and every day, right? Because that can really push us to the next level and just be good people like because you of course you want people to remember good stuff about you absolutely and um i've always told myself i i I think i'm a good person i'm pretty sure i am like Mm. i like to think i am Mm. um and like i said earlier like the things that came to my head were just not good things so i was like okay i need to make a change and i need to make a change now Mm. because if i do go out i want to be remembered for being you know being somebody mm. so with that you think with that mentality has has definitely made a big change with with the way you handle business and mm-hmm. and the success that Cartersville trucks is seeing right now right and um i don't see it as just money 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 i see it as um taking care of, once again taking care of your customer mm. Uh, the money will literally come in naturally. If you okay. literally do things with the right intentions for the right purposes, the money will literally come in naturally. Mm. Okay. If not, then you either need to stick to it a little bit longer or you need to find something else that's truly your passion. And even if it's not your passion, you can always make your job your passion. Um, but getting making that transition from money, money, money to Let's take care of the customer. Let's take care of this. That's why 2020 blew up so much for us also. One, yes, I think COVID... COVID did have a lot to do with it, but it was also a lot of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of customers coming in from word of mouth. We had a lot more good five-star reviews. We went from, um, like I said, the first three years of business, it wasn't the greatest, you know, um, 
Uh, we were doing things for more money. We weren't fixing things all the way. I didn't have the right mechanics, yada, yada. Um, instead of sending it to a big dealership to pay $1,000 for the repair, you know, we try to patch it, whatever. So a lot of the things like mm-hmm. I wasn't very happy with, uh, but we just did it because I had somebody else's problem now, you know, mm-hmm. and that mentality was not going to get us anywhere. So we started flipping the script on that and uh, started doing things differently. And next thing you know, one customer turned into three. Mm-hmm. Uh one customer turned into two. One customer turned into three. Then those three turned into five. Mm. And we kept growing. Next thing you know, I'm getting people calling me from Athens, South Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell. All over the place. Today, I got a truck sold to Hawaii. Mm. Hawaii. Yeah. You know, like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, I love it. So, um, okay, with all of this, right, back then, let's say you weren't so customer focused or like, like you said, it's somebody else's problem. So let's say you sell something to a customer that you know that it was halfway patched up or it wasn't to the best. Dude, I was miserable. How, was how miserable. did that come back and bite you? How did, how did the customers react? It wasn't even the customers that bothered me. It was my own feeling with myself. Mm. It was me getting home and not being able to sleep good at night. That's the kind of conscious I have. Did you ever have a customer come back and say, Hey man, look, this car is this or this car is that. Absolutely. And what did you do about that? Absolutely. Um, it sold as is. It sold mm. as is and uh, it wasn't like that when we sold it to you, type mm. way. And so yeah. now with your business, is it all still sold as is? We still sell everything as is, but I'm a verbal handshake guy, man. If I tell you something, I'm going to stick to it. I'm yeah. going to follow through with it. I'm not going to BS you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to look you in the eye. I'm going to tell you, hey, this is how we're going to do business. And if something happens in the first two weeks, bring it back to me. We'll take care of it. No, no cost gotcha. for you at all. That's great. And that's just the way we conduct business now, you know, because, you know, stuff happens. You know, somebody drives off the lot, we fix the issue, and, oh, we forgot to plug up a sensor. Mm. Oh, the check-in your light turns on. Mm. Or uh, we just fixed the turbo and the boot on the intercooler blew off, you know. Bring it back. We'll take care of it. Oh, drive off the lot. The transmission went to shit, you know. Bring it back. We'll take, take care, care of it. it. Yeah. That's how it is now because it's it's better to have a happy freaking customer that's going to turn into three, then have to have a pissed off customer that turns into a loss of 10 or 50 or a 100 people. One bad review will destroy you. Yeah. One bad review will destroy you. That's true. All right, George. So uh, we've talked about your business and uh, I have a question for you, right? And this is for someone who's very also passionate about business, passionate about cars and, you know, customer service. So let's say someone like myself or any of our listeners wants to get into this industry or wants to get into into doing business um what would the your advice be for them so for instance i have uh, i have five thousand dollars saved up right i kind of want to follow your footsteps because i see that it's you know you're doing very well and you're really proven results what would what would your advice be for me find the niche Mm. find the niche and uh grow that niche so if you are going to focus on Freaking Mazdas. You do nothing but Mazdas. Mm. You are the Mazda guy. If you're going to do nothing but Kias, you do Kias. You have nothing but Kias and you stick to Kias. Mm. You are the Kia guy. Toyota, same thing. You stick to your niche. One, that's easier because customers trust you more because, oh, that's all you carry. You have to be good at it in a way. You know, like if you see a guy with huge biceps, you want his advice. You know, that's all he does is biceps, biceps, biceps. So you ask him, hey, so what do you, you know, how do you do that? It's all biceps. So it's the same thing with vehicles in a way. Uh, it's not the best analogy, but it's almost, it's similar in a way because that's like the one thing that that person does. That's yeah. their shit, you know? That, that is quite interesting you mentioned that because less than a week ago today, I had a conversation with a very good friend of mine who runs a body shop mm-hmm. and with this body shop, he also has his license to buy and sell cars and whatnot, right? right? So we were, you know, we were talking, brainstorming some ideas and stuff. And he asked me, he said, so if you got into automotives, you probably want to buy and sell cars. Like, what? Like he said, if you got into automotives, like, what would you want to do? And I was like, oh, I'd probably buy and sell cars. And the exact same thing he said is what he said. He said, be, find a niche, be that guy. Like, for instance, the example we used, I have a, a, a Miata, right? Mm-hmm. He was like, find Miatas, mm-hmm. buy them, fix them, be the Miata put them guy. up. And people would really trust you because they know that this man has 10 or 20 Miatas, right? It doesn't matter if it has 200,000 miles. That thing is going to run. Yep. Because they trust that 
I mean, that's all you know. Right. They trust that you know your product enough to also fix it mm. because you know the common issues with it. Like for us with diesel, if it's a certain year model, I know you got to watch the vacuum pump seal. If it's this year model, I don't buy it. If it's uh, that build date, I don't touch it. If it's um, that truck might not have the best transmission, so you got to make sure the transmission fluid's good and the filter's not clogged up before mm. you, we do anything with it. So uh, finding the niche, man, and then don't expect super fast results. Mm. Um, don't expect instant gratification, which is one of those things that I, I, I absolutely... Uh, dislike seeing in today's society because everybody wants everything so instant. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't expect to turn five into 50 in a matter of a couple of weeks. It shit takes hard work. It takes long term. It takes countless hours, countless negotiations, uh, advertising, spending money, more money than you want, you feel comfortable spending. You know, I didn't want to spend a bunch of money in advertising and now I'm over here spending about three grand in advertising every month. And that mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, oh, I need to put more into it. I need to put more into it. Because advertising pays for itself. If you do things the right way, you have the right reviews, you have the right mindset, and you treat people the right way. You could advertise as a really bad dealership or a really bad business, and you're not going to get anywhere. Mm. Because people, guess what people are doing nowadays? They get on Google. They look at the reviews. Majority of my customers will literally tell me, I looked at all your reviews. I read at least 20 reviews before I came in. Your reviews are solid. Yeah. And... I mean, we do that for everything, right? If we want to go to a go restaurant. on a vacation, restaurant too. You look at Every the day. reviews from the hotel, yep. right? You look at reviews from, like you said, the restaurant. Yep. We look at reviews for everything. You know, if you're buying a TV, you go look at the reviews on uh, uh, on Amazon to see if people yeah. what what people say about that product. Absolutely. So for sure, okay. We, I like to. We've been here forty minutes now. Oh boy. Yeah, and um, before we sign off here, right? I want you to 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 give us some some advice for that 18 year old guy or that 20 year old guy or even me, Man. right? That person that is looking at maybe um, I want to take a different career path, right? Let's say I've been in my industry for 10 years now, or actually I just got out of college, but you know I took this course just because I needed to get it. Quit holding yourself back. Okay, quit so, being scared. So with these type of people, some might not have that financial independence in order to just stop what they're doing and and, and go into a different field. Uh, work on your credit too. A lot <laughs> of people, man, I'm telling you, man, work on that credit because even if you don't have a whole lot of financials, if you have good credit, banks will trust you to loan you money. Mm. So you say you have 5,000 now, you got a 750 credit score, 700 credit score. Hey, bank, I need five more. Boom, personal loan, mm. 10%. To hell with it. If you're making 20, 25% with it, what's 10%? You're still making a 15, 20% return. So you're making money. Then next thing you know, you pay that loan back. You ask for more. You get a better return. So working on the credit, especially for young kids, man, a lot of people don't know about this. Um, Keeping up with your credit, uh, not overusing your credit cards because it's all a game. Credit cards are an absolute game for banks to make money off of you you can play the system and make a lot of money like for instance i make at least uh 1200 to 1500 bucks a month off my credit cards because i pay them in full every month and i spend a shit ton of money if i can't put them on credit i might not buy it Mm. straight up i finance whatever i can as long as i can because i'm going to utilize my cash flow to go make me more money Mm. instead of having my cash go towards debts so you find loans for as long as humanly possible you don't get the 15-year mortgage. You get the 30-year mortgage. You don't get the uh, 36-month loan. You get the 72-month loan if you can. Mm. Why? Because you can utilize that money to make you more money, especially at the rate of inflation. If you look at it, automatically, you're losing 3 to 5% every year in money due to inflation. So if you get a loan for 3 5%, you're really making a lot of money by just keeping the loan as long as possible. Mm. So working on your credit, sticking to it, man. Sticking to it once again. Um a lot of people don't see the results right away. Same thing with, you know, if you've ever dieted, I know probably a lot of listeners, you can go into bodybuilding, dieting conversations, or, you know, you try to start a business, you try to start something and it's just not going the way you want it to. You're trying to figure out what's going on. Stick to it. And sometimes it's better to know what not to do than what to do. You got to test different things out. Mm. Um, but sticking to it, man, that's one of the biggest things because there was a lot of years, a lot of months in business where we weren't selling much. We were selling three three trucks a month or five trucks a month, you know, and it was just like, all right, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And But you stick to it, you stick to it, and you make things move. Mm-hmm. Um, don't try to get rich off one customer. That's right. 
Don't try to make a. Sh- don't try to get rich off one person, man. That will ruin you. Don't be greedy. If you are, you got five thousand in a vehicle, and you're asking, let's say uh, for simple numbers, you're asking ten. You get offered uh, nine, maybe five back, and try to get ninety-five. Mm. And they say, "No, nah, I'm firm at nine. All right, cool. Let's go. Mm. You know, done deal." Don't go back and forth. That will ruin you. That will kill your energy also, man. A lot of these things have a lot to do with the energy. Um, so you never want to be that greedy guy. You want to make sure your, your, your pricing should reflect your business. Mm. And nowadays, especially like the past year and a half, people don't even like try to negotiate. They pay the price mm-hmm. because they know the product they're getting. Mm. So when you first start a business, you, you're going to have to do a lot of price cuts to get your name out there. You know, I wasn't making what I'm making now per vehicle when we first started because you have to get the name out there. As you grow, people trust you more and they don't even care to negotiate either. It's weird how that works, man. It's just like the bigger you get, the easier it almost gets also. Mm -hmm. But you get a lot more problems everywhere else, of course. Got you. And I think there is one topic that you kind of you you hinted on. We're definitely going to save that for another episode. Which one was it? I talk all day, man. <laughs> you, talk, you talked about, about credit. You talked about financing. You talked yep. about the mortgages, right? Yep. And I don't want to open this kind of worms where we, we're going to have our podcast for two hours. But I have very strong opinions when it comes to finance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, personal finance. Uh, I can't even speak much on the business side because I'm now getting into it. Uh, you did mention about like the mortgages doing a 30 year mortgage rather than a 15 year mortgage. Right. But in my opinion, 15 year mortgage over 30 year mortgage. Of course. And I understand that. Why is that? Why do you understand it? You did say that 30 year over 15 years. It depends on your level of, uh, of what you're trying to do. So if you are trying to utilize your money to make you more money, then you go with the 30 year mortgage because you'll be saving anywhere from, I want to say like three to $500 a month. That's money you can put towards something else. That's money you can put towards stocks. If you're any decent at stocks or give it to a stock trader. That's money you could put towards flipping vehicles. Mm. That's money you could put into um, if you have a 401k. I don't believe in 401ks either, by the way. I, I'd rather have my money so because I, I know what to do with my money instead of letting somebody else handle my money. I don't like that. Let me play with it. If I lose, I lose, whatever. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Lost a train of thought on that one. I do that a lot, by the way. We were talking about uh, the mortgages. Mortgages. So, yeah, I always want to do 30-year because if you are saving three to $500 a month, let's do simple numbers, 300 uh, in 12 months, you know, that's going to be $3,600. That's money you could literally, in four or five years, you save those $3,600, guess what? That's a down payment for another house. So, if you are trying to pay your house off as fast as possible because you hate debt and that's one of those big killers for you... Mm then sure, but I just don't agree with it. That's just mm. not my thing. Mm. I'd rather, I'm okay with debt. I'd rather have longer debt and be able to invest more because property value is never gonna go down. It might go down for a little bit, but as history shows, it always goes back up and it goes almost double. Mm. I, dude, my parents' house, they bought it when it was 187,000 before the big crash in 2007, 2008. And now the house, they just got an offer for like 280. So it's one of those things like proper values are never going to go down. What's the one thing in the world you can't produce more of? Land. Yeah. So So if you put your money in in the land, right? Let's say everything else you 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 don't plan on paying it off faster or whatever because let's use a car for example. You never get, buy a new car. <laughs> that I agree. But let's just say you buy a car, right? Not a new car, you buy a used car or whatever and it's 30 30,000 you have mm-hmm. $30,000 cash mm-hmm. right someone will say oh pay it off uh, you know some people will say if you have that 30,000 pay it off and be be debt free right people like you would say 30,000 man Shit. you can make monthly payments I and see, use that money for something else I see 30 you give me 30,000 I'm gonna turn I it into a 90. new business yep. exactly right <laughs> so I can understand that part but when it comes to a house like you said even if you put all your money in if you can you put all your money in you pay it off you're not I mean, even if the market crashes, it's going to come back up. Right. But once again, that comes down to your mentality on how you want to do things. If you look at the big guys, the Ed Milets, the, um, the Randy, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Grant Cardone, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Grant Cardone does not have a single penny in his name. 
everything he makes, he reinvests and he puts the smallest amount of money down and he gets the longest loan possible. Mm. Why? Because these things are not depreciating. You're getting a stupid good interest rate. For instance, for for a house, you get a 2.753% interest rate. In 30 years, you're making money. You're not really losing anything. So when you look at those stats, you want to go for the longest loan also due to inflation. So as you guys know, in other countries and even here, you know, what could you do with $100 20 years ago? A whole lot more than you can now. Imagine everybody that had 30-year mortgages back then for almost nothing, how they're banking now. Mm. So if you're thinking short term, yes, the 15-year mortgage, oh, yes, I'll feel so relieved. But if you're thinking long term, you're not thinking 20, 10, 15 years down the road. You're thinking 30, 40, 50 years down the road when you got kids and you got other properties and you got all these big plans going on. You want to go as long as possible on those loans, in my eyes. Got you. All right. Well, that brings us to roughly about 50 minutes, right? Uh, like I said, there's so much that you opening this 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 uh, uh topic on finance and credit and everything i love talking about that stuff oh yeah man. yeah so, i am very passionate about and i love finance. to help people with financing too because so many people there's such a lack of financial education in the world our school system is just skewed completely mm. um yo man when when was the last time you guys used uh you know calculus mm. i'll wait <laughs> play the crickets in the background whenever i say that you know um it's just things that you guys are not going to use. Instead, I'm sure you guys would have appreciated a class about credit scores or That's a class right. about how to manage your mortgage yeah. or how to manage how this. How to or use a credit card. How to yeah. properly apply for a job, how to conduct a proper job interview. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so, there's just basic skills that are so lacked on in this world. Mm. So, yeah, man. So, yeah. sorry for keep blabbering. <laughs> no, dude. It was, no, it's, it's good, awesome. man. I, I, I really enjoyed our, our podcast episode today man george it's an honor to have you here it's thank you so much for lending me in like i said you know uh during the the start of this podcast and i just cannot wait for us you your brother and a few others i just want to get everybody together where we can have a a nice solid uh uh, episode that'd be awesome man i'm looking forward to it already thank you and guys i will see y'all in the next episode Bye bye